You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Good morning. It's Tuesday, the 21st of November. Today marks World Television Day. I'm Nompumela Losiziba, standing in for Simon Brown, coming to you live from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Gary Boyson of Rand Swiss takes us through the markets with also a stock focus. Roland Van Vijnen, CEO of PPC, takes us behind the company's decent half-year numbers. And Dennis Hobson, head of logistics at Investec, gives insights on how the current Transnet port crisis is impacting on business and how business needs to navigate the bottlenecks in the meantime. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider. In your morning headlines on MoneyWeb, PNP Pick and Pay takes another thumping from checkers. Similar headline in Business Day, but an alternative one. Godongwana says government entities owe SARS 6 billion rand. In your morning markets, the S&P 500 ended up 0.74% and the Nasdaq closed the session up 1.13% yesterday. Over in the east, markets are generally trading up with some exceptions. Sydney's up around 0.3% with Tokyo currently down around 0.06%. On the commodities front, gold is trading at $1,990 an ounce. Brent crude oil is trading at $82.28 a barrel. Uh, Platinum is trading at $923 an ounce, roughly around there. Palladium, $1,076. The rand is trading against the dollar at $1,828. Bitcoin is around $37,561. And uh, in terms of the top 40 opening call, we see that opening around 320 points or around 0.47%. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. All right, let's get into our market chat now with Gary Boyson, Portfolio Manager at Rand Swiss. A very good morning to you, Gary. So markets closed up nicely and they still seem to be uh, relatively in positive territory, including our own boss. And uh, sentiment appears to be improving as people think that the Fed is now done with raising interest rates. So is this the beginning of consistent good runs on stock markets or is it too early to call? Oh, I, I really hope it is. <laughs> so it's been a, it's been a difficult couple of years for for certainly for equity investors, uh, and uh, obviously with uh, the idea that we could be at, at peak interest rates in the US, that that's pretty exciting for for equity markets. And uh, yeah, I watch the Fed funds futures uh, fairly closely, and 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 we draw probabilities from that. And uh, it it's shifted significantly over the last couple of weeks, uh, ever since that very very strong uh, you know inflation print. So uh, you know currently you know if you you look out to the end of the first quarter of 2024 there's around a 30 percent chance that you'll see a cut in the uh it, by, by the fed which is which is pretty exciting uh you know that's telling us that uh you know we could be at the end of this uh, interest rate hiking cycle um and i mean we're seeing that play out across the board as that expectation shifts i mean if i look at the u.s tenure at the moment uh, yield is at uh, 4.39 percent so uh, bond markets recovering and and i think everyone just taking encouragement from this yeah but that's still not good for the likes of us emerging markets because that's still quite an attractive yield and because uh, developed market are seen as less risky people will still keep their money there 
Uh, it's a good question. So obviously, as the the, the relative uh, difference in, in in yield changes, uh, you do tend to see money flowing towards the emerging markets. Uh, you know, as that expectation changes. So mm. you know, whenever you move into a risk on period, uh, you know, emerging markets benefit, and we can see it in our, in our local currencies. So uh, this morning, trading eighteen twenty six to the US dollar, the US dollar weakening a little bit. You can see that it's the dollar a dollar story more than a rand story because mm. you can see the gold price uh, just knocking on that two thousand dollar an ounce uh, value again. So uh, yes, a- absolutely. Emerging markets should benefit as as you get uh, inflows. Al- although, you know, if you're looking backwards, that's certainly not the case. Yeah. There has been a lot of foreign selling in, a, in our equity markets. But again, if you look at our bond markets over the last quarter, you know, we've, we've had big inflows into our bond market as as people come and hunt uh, higher yield in, in the emerging markets. Mm. Let's take a look at a couple of stocks uh, while we have time. Astral, they came out with their results for the year ended September, producing the first net loss uh, that the company has experienced in 23 years. Uh, it's really gone through the ringer with a lot of local issues and avian flu, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what are your thoughts about this stock? So it's it's interesting. The market uh, was, I think, well prepared for for the terrible set of results that it delivered. So I mean, earnings per share down, you know, 148 percent. They they made a 621 million rand loss. Uh, you know, revenue still 19.3 million, so only down 0.4 percent uh, in revenue terms. But as you said, you know, an incredibly difficult period for them. Uh, you know, obviously the the avian influenza, you know, uh, you know, impacting you know the massive culling across specifically Gauteng and Bumalanga, but uh, you know, affecting you know birds across the country mm. uh you know difficult to push through price increases for the company as well uh you know as consumers are under pressure of course and, and they're looking for a cheaper source of protein um and as you say power cuts water issues all of this you know delaying slaughter for the birds um you know they're getting heavy heavier birds so they've got to feed them longer before they slaughter them mm. um and that's uh, creating additional pressure in terms of you know longer uh, you know, more feed costs so it's so a very very difficult period but uh you know if you if you're an investor looking at this company, I think first you've got to realize that it's a very, very cyclical company. As energy costs come down, as feed cost comes down as well, this can this will just drop straight to the bottom line. Um, you know, obviously tariffs are very, very important and we do have tariff protection in place uh, currently. Uh, if you look at the the ownership structure as well, you're seeing managers like 361 starting to buy uh, in. Uh, I mean, they, they're above a 5% holding in the business and, and that's encouraging. And, and uh, you know, looking at it, I think you're going to. It's going to be volatile if if you're investing in a company like this. And of course, they've, they've cancelled their dividend as they rebuild their balance sheet. But if you have a longer term view, uh, and you can see a way through, uh, you know, the the the. The, the, the current bird flu and and it is a well-managed business and <clears throat> it's easy to see how this could tick up and give a significant return from current levels so mm. uh, yeah, how are we thinking about it at the moment I, I would say it's something that uh, you know it's a little bit more speculative uh, type of stock but yeah something that you could add to a portfolio in a minute what was the significance of uh, growth point uh, being uh, dismissed from the msci or it's uh, being dismissed at the end of november so it's interesting. A lot of people saying that obviously the, with them dropping out of the MSCI uh, index, that's going to create a lot of selling. It does look like volume has increased uh, significantly on the back of that. So, you know, as of uh, kind of the mid-year filings, uh, Vanguard uh, owns around 4.3% of the, the company and BlackRock owns around 2.78. And those are two obviously big passive players. Uh, so when they, when it uh, essentially leaves an index, those passive funds are going to become forced sellers. And uh, I, I suppose I have read some reports that uh, you know, this, this will mean at least selling into the end of December. I think you need to be 
pretty careful of of trading around that. Uh, you know, everyone obviously looks at include uh, index inclusions, and often you get more active traders trading in front of that, and and the pricing adjusts very very quickly. As soon as you know that something is going to drop out of an index, the the price adjusts fast. Mm. So so maybe maybe not. Maybe providing a little bit of an opportunity for bigger players as well. You know, as as these passive funds have to exit, uh, that's going to create volume in the stock. So you will be able to build a position in something like Growth Point. And you know, again, Growth Point, yeah, you know, it's it's one of the biggest properties. What is the the biggest property REIT on on our exchange? And uh, I mean, it's got you know, over five hundred properties. Uh, you know, across the globe. I mean, you know, a split of retail and office and industrial, and it really is a bellwether for the property sector. So we were talking about rates at the top of the show. Uh, if interest rates start coming down kind of middle of next year, you're going to see a lift in property stocks. And it might be a little bit early to be buying in. But if you take a five, five to 10 year view, this could be an excellent, excellent entry point into something like Growth Point. Excellent. Gary, always a pleasure speaking to you. Gary Boyson, he's a portfolio manager at Ranswiss. Your money can do more when it's investing with conviction. Our partnership with JP Morgan Asset Management gives you access to in-depth, broad market research and high-return investment strategies. So invest in a select set of companies with long-term structural growth potential with Stanlib's Global Growth Fund. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on The Money. PPC has reported its group revenue up nearly 21%, just shy of 6.2 billion rand for the six months ended September 2023, with EBITDA increasing by 47% at just over 1 billion rand. But some of its markets are doing better than others. I'm joined by Roland van Veinen. He's the PPC CEO, and he's going to take us behind the numbers. Thanks very much, Roland, for joining us. So overall, this is not really a shabby performance. Perhaps you can give us uh, a quick high-level view of the group results and their key drivers? So, no, thanks. It is a strong performance and I'm pleased with it. However, the different markets have operated very differently. Um, The big increase is largely driven by Zimbabwe, um, also of a lower base than usual because last year we had a long maintenance stop. But also our South African market has has shown resilience and I'm pleased with a slight margin recovery in our cement business in South Africa as well and a positive contribution from our ready-mix aggregates and ash business. So overall, I think something that we can be pleased with. So let's go into a bit more detail with your Southern African markets, that is South Africa and Botswana. They saw a decline in cement sales volumes in the period, but Zimbabwe seems to be your superstar right now, although you did see margin increases in all of those markets. Just give us a little bit more about those markets. Yeah, so if we look at our South African and Botswana cement markets, uh, volumes actually declined. Um, on the back of the fact that there is still a a very muted demand environment in South Africa, this on the back of the relatively weak economic performance of the country and the low fixed capital formation that we see in South Africa due to the lack of infrastructure spending. Nevertheless, on the back of both uh, price increases as well as cost mitigation actions, our EBITDA margin has increased slightly, as I just mentioned to you. Yes. Zimbabwe is a very different story. Zimbabwe continues to show strong demand in the retail, strong demand in infrastructure build-up. Um, our plants are now running flat out uh, compared to last year when we had this, this maintenance stop. And that, of course, you know, drives this strong performance of Zimbabwe in these, in these six months. Hmm. So you've managed to whittle down your debt by more than half, now standing at around 380 million rand. Presumably that mission continues. What are your targets? 
So our targets are that we have a, a proper gearing level of about 1.3 to 1.5 times our EBITDA. We're actually slightly below that at the moment. Um, if we look at how we allocate our capital, we, of course, look at capital that we need to invest back into our business to maintain the cash flow. Um, and then we look at either giving back to shareholders or investing in growth projects. Depending on the returns that we see on those growth projects, we'll make up our mind how to best allocate that capital. Mm. So you've lamented that some of the big SA's infrastructure projects haven't taken off yet. So what's the outlook for the second half of the year and 2024 more generally? I think we would see a general uh, but slow improvement. So in the next six months, I don't see anything major shifting. But as you, you see that ESCOM might get its, its ducks in a row, uh, less load shedding, which works out very well for our customers, um, that are normally smaller businesses that are impacted by load shedding. Of course, we also look forward to Transnet coming back into the game with a stronger performance. Uh, maybe the interest rates have peaked uh, late 2024 so that the man in the street will have a little bit more money in the pocket as well, which they can then put back in, in house improvements and, and housing in general. Hmm. So I think it will go slowly but gradually in the right direction. So you guys have announced a change in leadership. You're still at the helm. Um, but just tell us a little bit about the, the new gentleman who's coming on the scene. So the new gentleman has been in South Africa already for, for five years. So he knows the market very well. Despite the fact that he is finalizing now his work permit, we have initiated the handover process. So I've had various conversations with him. He started to familiarize himself as well with PPC. Hmm. As I said, the market he knows um, already. It's also someone who comes with you know, many, many years of cement experience, which um, was an important factor. So I think he will fit in quite, quite quickly and will be able to take over the baton as he makes his plans going forward. I was in conversation with Roland van Vijnen. He's PPC's CEO. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Shipping container backlogs at the port of Durban and at other ports around the country are causing havoc for commerce. And Transnet is on record to say replacing old and deteriorating infrastructure at the ports won't be sorted overnight. More so as funds are still not uh, available yet to secure the work that needs to be done. And lead times on the various equipment needs range from 12 to 18 months. I'm joined by Dennis Hobson. He's a head of logistics at Investec for Business. Thank you very much, uh, Dennis, for joining us. So the bottom next situation that's resulted sounds quite serious. So how is this impacting on importers who need to get their products to their given markets in a timeless fashion? Good morning, Ampu and all the listeners. So current challenges, there are quite a few of them really. Um, and obviously the impacts are quite uh, far ranging. But ex- I mean, the extended lead times is, is one major factor. So currently, you know, on average containers are, or imports being delayed by Know, two to three weeks um, just in terms of vessels waiting out at Anchorage. But if you take the time it's taking to discharge vessels um, and delayed berthings, you know, looking at kind of four weeks, especially into Pier 2 in Durban, um, which put that in perspective is about double the lead time if you're shipping from, you know, main port China into Durban. So that obviously has an impact on, on financing costs as well. Um, 
and also puts cash flow pressures onto to the importers. They can't you know sell that stock or use that stock or or put it into to production. So, you know that really is is very frustrating at the moment. Um, you know the other side is you know especially the retailers. You've got a feel for them right now. Mm. Um, you know with you know festive season. You know a lot of them rely on, on these sales now to you know to up their their revenue, um, also their margins. But if you know if orders are late. And they miss the in-store dates or promotions, whatever it may be. It also impacts their margins or having to discount stocks. So again, you know that puts pressure onto the, these businesses, and especially your your smaller medium enterprises. You know they can't afford to to carry large inventory necessarily, um, or you know to expedite orders from a cash flow point of view. You know to place new orders, pay the deposits. Um, you know so it really does have a, a big impact um, across the board. And you know the other side is you've got to you know feel for unemployment too. Um, you know, companies become cash strapped in these times too. There's a lot of financial pressures. Um, so yeah, it's really not, um, it's not really positive right now. Yeah. It does seem like it's going to be a long-term problem, even though Transnet says that they'll be able to deal with the backlog as early as January 2024. Well, not that that's early, but in the meantime, what happens for industry? How, how does industry navigate that one? I mean, so the the tricky part right now is obviously it's peak shipping period now. And then the very important period that's coming up in, in the shipping window essentially is your pre-Chinese New Year shipping period. So, you know, we normally see a, a peak in demand from you know, exports leaving, you know, the, especially the Far East. Um, so your, you know, your time to try and, and rectify or find alternative options um, or build in additional lead time, you know, you're really restricted in that. So either you f- you're forced to, to air freight in critical stock um, the other side is, you know, with vessels being delayed in South Africa, going back to the origin ports, it's creating a lot of backlogs, um, you know, especially in, in the Far East right now. So you get what you term blank sailings. So shipping lines actually will withdraw some sailings for, for a week, um, which then creates further pressure on capacity. Um, and then obviously your, your freight rates, uh, are, you know, they've been increasing now again. Plus you have these, these port congestion surcharges. So, you know, what, what importers need to look at as well is, understand where, where they're shipping from um, and understand what the options are. So, for example, if you're shipping out of Europe, you, know, you, you could call Kucha because the, the main vessels call Kucha before Durban. So that's mm. an alternative option. It does, you know, for cargo coming up, especially into to Johannesburg, um, you know, your, your transport cost is, is uh, a lot higher. So, you know, you have to weigh up, you know, when you need your stock versus what you can afford in terms of additional costs. Coming out the Far East, you're very limited in terms of options. You know, Kucha's just got three main vessels that call Kucha from the Far East, and there aren't any direct sailing. So vessels generally are going via Durban, so they've been held up there before going in into Kucha. The other alternative, we're seeing an improvement in the situation um, in Cape Town. So, you know, you could consider shipping in into Cape Town. Um, but then again, you know, you have, you know, higher transport costs coming from Cape Town um, up into to Gauteng region, or even going across to, to other parts mm. of the country. So, yeah. you know, there are options, but, but they do come at a cost. Um, and you really have to understand what what the routings are, the, the transit times, and weigh up the, you know, the pros and cons of that. Yeah, Dennis, we've run out of time, but thank you very much for those uh, great insights there. Dennis Hobson, he's the Head of Logistics at Investec for Business. <laughs> 
Well, that's a wrap for today. Wishing you a great day further. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider. MoneyWeb Now is live every weekday morning on MoneyWeb, on the MoneyWeb website and app at 6.30am and podcast just after 7am. Thanks to the team, Eddie, Musitha and Nicole. To you for listening and our guests for their time. I'm Nompumelelo Siziba and I've been standing in for Simon Brown. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.